It is a circumstance, a situation, a vision in which God encountered man and left a huge thing, a sign that changed the world. So if you have your Bibles with me, I encourage you to open up with me. Uh, If you don't have a Bible with you, you will find that there are these red pew Bibles in front of you, and you can open those up to pages 680 and 681. Let's pray before we read. Lord, we ask that you show us what you showed Isaiah. Help us sense what Isaiah sensed. Help us to respond in a way that Isaiah responds. Bless the reading of your word. Bring your presence, bring your visions, bring your glory. Bring your ways to us, Lord. Let it change us. Let this be our sign. Amen. Isaiah 6, 1 through 13. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the sound of their voices, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongues from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is now atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be never seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people callous, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, Unto the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants. Unto the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged. Unto the Lord has sent everyone far away, and the land is ultimately forsaken. And through a tenth remain, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will lay, be laid again to rest. But as the terebrinth and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is Isaiah's sign. This is the time that God decided to intervene with Isaiah. There's a whole bunch of things that are happening in this dynamic that's interesting to look at. One of those is right in verse 1. The first thing that Isaiah teaches us is that King Uzi died, right? Uzziah has died. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne. 
interesting if you look into King Uzziah and the kind of king he was. He was the last of his kind. Every king that would follow after him would build empire. He was considered the last of the godly rule. He was a conservative politician who tried to represent who God was in everything he did. He was a productive king, and under his rule, he started ruling when he was 16, and he ruled for 52 years. Under his rule, his country doubled, people flourished, the economy flourished, everything was well. People like Isaiah, who sought after the Lord, took comfort in that blessing. They found it to be part of the kingdom. But what happens? Uzziah gets a little proud. 52 years in leadership, we complain sometimes about having somebody for four or eight years. Could you imagine having somebody for 52 years? Uzziah's position eventually gets to him. And this man who everyone thought was the right hand of God is now falling a little in love with his power and his pride. And he enters the temple and he disobeys God. God strikes him with leprosy as a punishment. People are awoken to this godly king they thought and had elevated above everything and thought this was the reason of their success has now been struck for disobedience. What a conflict of thought, right? How does that happen? The other thing that's interesting at this time is something happens called the Great Earthquake. Throughout Jewish history, they often refer to the Great Earthquake. In fact, Jewish tradition actually says that the Great Earthquake happened either right at the same time or right around the time that King Uzziah was struck with leprosy. So their culture was in an upheaval. They had experienced a cultural earthquake. This was the last of the godly rule, the right hand of God. This was the last of the right countries, the right moral leadership. And at the same time, they also experienced a real physical earthquake. Now, people, archaeologists, have found walls and things from this era, and they estimate that this great earthquake was probably a 7.8 or an 8.2. Pretty, pretty big earthquake, especially when your homes are made out of dung and clay, right? So everything's pretty much going to fall down. The world felt a mess. We live in a time called post-Christendom, a time where the Constantine era has ended and what we would call right rule seems absent. Our time mirrors the end of King Uzziah's more than we realize. Great events have shaped us both culturally and physically. We may have suffered not a great earthquake, but we have suffered 9-11 and things like that, events that have affected all of us. In Asa Bass's song, The Sign, the singer finds somebody who revolutionizes their life. In this vision, Isaiah, through his intimacy with God, also finds somebody who revolutionizes his life. That's why this is called the commission of Israel, of Isaiah. It is totally redefined who he is in this intimate moment with God. 
King Uzziah, when he died, is probably right around the time that Isaiah had this vision. Let's read it again, thinking about those things. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. King Uzziah was a big and powerful king. He had a lot of land. He had a lot of successful kingdoms. And so when the cultural earthquake happened and everything was laid to rest, when the, uh, sorry, when the physical earthquake happened and when the cultural earthquake happened, people are confused. It seems like the world is going to end. But the first thing that God says through this vision is, I am still in control. Isaiah is fretting the loss of King Uzziah. But in the very beginning of his vision, what he sees is that God is there throughout it all, and he is bigger. Often Isaiah gets called the pacifist prophet because he focuses on one kingdom. He realizes that he cannot have his feet in both kingdoms. This vision could be the start of where he got that theology. He sees God's kingdom above all else when man's kingdom has fallen and been ruined. There's quite a few things that we can take away from Isaiah's story. Society was suffering an upheaval at the hands of a physical and cultural earthquake. Change was upon them. The old system was dying. The new era was to follow him. We see Zechariah also speak of this in Zechariah 14.5. He speaks of this change. He says, you will flee by my mountain valley for it will extend to Azel. You will flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord my God will come, and the holy ones with him. What we see happening here is even Zechariah in his talk about what is to come is referencing this great upheaval that left everyone confused. When the broken systems of this world fail, the kingdom progresses even more. God's vision tells Isaiah some cool things. It lets me tell you who I am. Let me show you my presence is bigger than any earthly representation of my rule on your earth. Let me help you realize I am bigger than you think I am. Wild and wonderful visions from God happen throughout all of the scriptures and the stories of God. The story of God is full of times that God has given vision and interaction with people. It is one of the biggest ways that he communicates who he is to us. When we pray, we always pray for comfort. We want peace and comfort. Whenever God decides to move is usually in times of upheaval, just like here in Isaiah's story. So though we cry out for a God who is very much present and not absent and real and interactive, we also do so with a want of comfort. I would argue that maybe we can't have both. It's one or the other. Isaiah depended on God deeply. He was seeking after God's heart, which is why this vision came to him. Early church theologians such as Gregory Nicia said that he believed the prophet Isaiah knew more perfectly than all others the mystery and the religion of the gospel. Jerome said this, he was much more of an evangelist than a prophet because he describes all the mysteries of the Church of Christ so vividly that you would assume he was not prophesying about the future, 
but rather was composing a history of past events. This moment, Isaiah's vision of the Lord changed everything for Isaiah. It changed everything for who he believed he was. The other thing you may have noticed as we read through it was this. Do you guys notice that the Bible, I think it does it in this one as well, in verse 1 and verse 5, you should see a font change for the word Lord. Do you see that? Verse 1 and verse 5. Verse 1, Lord is a capital L, lowercase letters. When we get down to verse 5, we see that Lord is all capitalized and the font is much more formal. That's important to take note. Did anyone notice that reading through? That distinction is there because Isaiah is making a distinction in his writings as well. In verse 1, he says, I saw Adonai. An empathetic version of seeing, I saw the glory of God. Verse 5, he speaks to God much more as Yahweh, as this more formal and ruler. He makes the distinction for a few reasons. One, we know that when Moses said to God, pour out your glory. I want to see your face. And God says, you cannot see my glory in its fullness or you will surely die, right? We know that no one has seen the face of God or they couldn't die. Isaiah is making this distinction for a few reasons. One, he wants you to realize he has seen the essence of God in a vision. It's Adonai. It's the essence. It is the, the presence, but it is not the face of God. It is a representation through that. In verse 5, we see he is requoting the powerfulness of God. And that's why he uses a more formal thing. There's a few things I wanted us to take away from this scripture. First one is, God is willing to reveal himself to us through wild and wonderful visions. You'll find these in your bulletin if you want to write them down. God is willing to reveal himself to us through wild and wonderful visions. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a, thro seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were the seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. There have been great theological debates of what the seraphim are and how they related to other representations that are similar throughout the Bible. But what we do know is the way that Isaiah describes these creatures are found nowhere else throughout Jewish or scripture history. They are the burning ones. That's what their name means. There have been also theological viewpoints, discussion, debated if Isaiah could have even possibly saw the coming of the Messiah in this vision already. We know that most of Isaiah's prophecies speak to the coming of a new rule and a new kingdom. Some believe perhaps here he even saw Messiah on the throne. We can listen to those faiths. We must realize here is this. God was revealing to reveal part of himself to Isaiah through a wild and wonderful vision and full out-of-this-world stuff that Isaiah did his best to describe. Is that really what it looked like? Isaiah did his best to describe how creative our God is. The main theme in these first verses is really 
that God graced him with his essence and power, even in a time of upheavaling trial and tribulation. God is willing to reveal himself to us through wild and wonderful visions. The second point is, through these wild and wonderful visions, we can learn about who God is. Through these wild and wonderful visions, we can learn about who God is, both through the ones that we have and the ones that we read about through scriptures. Through this vision, God wanted to visually represent some things about who he was to Isaiah. In a time of losing a king, God shows himself high and exalted. He is sitting on an all-powerful throne. He learns that God's glory fills and defines the whole earth. He shows that this world is totally different than our own. The things Isaiah saw in his vision do not translate into our understanding of life. They are bizarre and creative and cool and wild and wonderful. And he is showing that his kingdom is completely different than ours. He reminds Isaiah that he has the power to control, but also the power to make people clean. God shows him that he is a community at his very rooted DNA. We see the seraphim clean the guilt and shame away from Isaiah. But then the next thing that we see is this. He says, who will I send about? Who will I send to represent us? He said us. Even at the core of who God is, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is a community in one. He is a community, an extended family at the very root of his DNA. Too often we as a church copy the individualistic trends of our society. But God at his root is a community and a family. The other thing that we learn is this. He has an undying heart. And to the cities are ruined, Isaiah is called to proclaim his message. Even though he is fed up, his heart runs thin, he still calls Isaiah to call his message to the people. Third one is encountering visions of God will realign and change us. This was Isaiah's sign. As I said, we live in an increasing individualistic world, and it's a world of self-entitlement. When God manifests himself in charismatic circles, we're quick to make a worship event out of it and scream for more of that outpouring. Here in this vision, Isaiah doesn't do any of those things. First, he realizes his own shortcomings. The presence of God is upon him, and he doesn't want any more. Woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips, and I belong to a people of unclean lips. Now, remember what we just talked about. The country was growing. He thought it was productive. King Uzziah was a right-hand-of-God kind of leader man. But all of a sudden, when he actually encounters the presence of God, he realizes how broken that system is. He says, I am among unclean people as well. So the seraphim comes, and he picks up a coal off the temple, a coal that would have been mixed with the blood from sacrifices, and it's burning hot, and he touches it to Isaiah's lips, and he cleanses him in a sign of sacrifice. God teaches him that with blood can come forgiveness and covenant. Pastor Phil Morgan says this, a live coal, a burning coal, a coal that speaks of purification and cleansing was brought by the seraphim from off the altar of sacrifice and touched to his lips. That altar was a live coal taken from the altar of burnt offerings. It was the altar where the blood was shed. 
It was the place where the priest would kill the animals to pay for the sins of the people. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission and no cleansing from sin. So you have a coal that has been touched by two things, blood and fire. The blood speaks of cleansing from sin. Only blood can wash away our sin. And the fire speaks of refining, purifying power. The blood washes away sin. The fire burns the refining of positive and holistic holiness. Encountering visions of God will realign and change us. Isaiah saw the sign and he was never the same again. He stepped even more into his gifting of prophecy. And this is where he officially takes office. Number four, visions of God are bigger than just yourself. God shows us something through a vision or an encounter. It's big. It's bigger than anything we can imagine, explain, or dream up on our own. God is creative and thinks outside of the box. We don't have to look very far throughout the scriptures to see that everything he likes to do is a little outside our box, but we continually try to box him in. Worldwide floods, talking donkeys, multiplying food, and virgin births are a small witness to how creative our God is and how he likes to think outside of our box. Visions of God are bigger than ourselves. They incorporate more than just an individualistic focus. Isaiah isn't given the happiest news. He's actually given a harsh reality. The Lord shows him an image of people. He says, who will I send to this people? That's an odd term, right? He was probably showing a picture, a representation of his people that he wanted Isaiah to speak to. The Lord tells him to deliver this message to those people he has shown Isaiah. Tell them, no matter how closely you listen, you'll never understand. No matter how closely you'll look, you'll never see. He's telling them things of the spiritual matter are born of the spirit, and they are talking about the kingdom of this world. Isaiah is the messenger that God's people are looking for him in the wrong place. Isaiah has to tell them, you are looking for God in the wrong place. That's why they haven't experienced the vision Isaiah had. Isaiah felt God's heartbeat of compassion for his lost and dying people. Isaiah's neighbors were people of unclean lips. God still used him and summoned him, a man of also unclean lips, to reach out to them. God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And immediately without thinking, Isaiah says, here I am, send me. God enables a sinful man to preach his message to those around him. Pastor Phil Morgan continues, Your past will not exclude you from being used by God, but how you are living today may. Your past will not exclude you from being used by God, but how you are living today may. Visions from God cause us to do things bigger than we can imagine. They tell us to be the representation and the messenger of the kingdom to those around us in creative ways. They call us to live out God's glory, not celebrate an individualistic sense of it. It's also a call to community. Knowing God intimately will bring uh, connection to God through ways like visions. Through these wild and wonderful visions that we're going to be looking at, we see that God reveals himself in this way. Knowing God intimately brings that possibility and reality for all of us. Knowing God intimately will bring us an understanding of our identity. Spending time knowing who we are in God will shape and rechange us. 
Knowing God intimately will bring us purpose and enable us in power. God uses Isaiah to be a person of authority and power to his people. Knowing God intimately will keep us cleansed and our hearts softened. Isaiah's warning is this. Your hearts are hardened. You can't see. You can't hear. Knowing God intimately will keep our hearts softened and uncalloused. It will keep us cleansed and truly renewed and freshly encountered with the presence of God. Isaiah shows us this. Through wild and wonderful visions of God, we can encounter who God is. These are a vehicle the Holy Spirit will use to help us become a community learning to live and love like Jesus. Visions in themselves are not a foundation to our faith. These are a vehicle the Holy Spirit, visions are a vehicle the Holy Spirit will use to help us as a community learning to live and love like Jesus. Visions in themselves are not a foundation to our faith. In an individualistic society, it becomes easy for us to make the end game the vision, the wild and the wonderful things that God does. Isaiah spends two sentences on explaining a seraphim. In those two sentences, we can understand how crazy and bizarre they are, but he didn't write a book about it and tell everyone to base their faith on that. He said at the end of it, this is who God is, and this is what it did to me. Apostle and disciple John references Isaiah in the New Testament. He reminds us all that the message of God entrusted to Isaiah. He reminds us all of that. May, many will choose not to find their identity and know God intimately. John 12. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus has done, most of the people still do not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe. For as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. The question boils down to this. We are in an era of many cultural and physical earthquakes. We are... We can fret or we can press into who God is. We can worry about one kingdom or we can worry about the other. Our minds cannot be divided. Isaiah is often referred to as also, as I said earlier, the pacifist prophet because he understood the importance of being sold out for God's kingdom. Kingdoms don't share citizenships well. Kingdoms don't share citizenships well. You can't root for two teams when they play against each other, right? If you're a baseball fan, and especially if you like the Phillies, you definitely don't have another favorite team. That takes all of your love, even when they're bad. Boils down to this. Are we willing to see what Isaiah saw about God? Are we willing to sense what Isaiah sensed about God's mercy and plan? Let's say and mean what Isaiah said. Yes, God reveals himself through wild and wonderful ways, but unless we spend time seeking God intimately, we won't experience those wild and wonderful things. Unless we learn to press into God's heart, those wild and wonderful things don't even matter. Our hearts are still closed, even if we see them with our eyes. It's a matter of the heart. Calloused or soft, closed or willing, 
Let's invite God to do wild and wonderful things in our midst. Let's invite him to reveal himself in wild and wonderful ways. But let's make sure we are intimately pressing in to know God so that we can. Can you say, I've seen the sign and it's opened up my eyes? Can you say that with the same way that Isaiah can, that you've experienced something and a fresh encounter of God that has totally reshaped and changed who you are in the kingdom? That is the challenge I leave with you, to spend time knowing God intimately so that the wild and the wonderful can be your reality, as they were Isaiah's. We'd like the worship band to come back up at this time.